All right. Hello there, and welcome back for another episode of That Zakutaku Goodness. Or not. <laughs> you know, depends. Anyway, I'm out of breath because I just ate too much, Jose, and I'm joined by Adoyal Rules, Mark, and Mr. Cash Me Outside, Garcil. And uh, for today's episode, we are taking our first steps back into the land of Tomino no Gundam since victory, with his big anticipated return to the franchise being Turn A Gundam. So, with a legendary name and a legendary track record for both greatness and trash, will 1999's Turn A Gundam be a triumphant return to the franchise for the man who started it all? Or... Will it crash and burn like a kid in a G-Defensor in space? Well, let's talk about these first 12 episodes and see what first-hand Tomino has dealt us. Hit it, Garcil. And when was the last time you brought up Pats? Goddamn. <laughs> Alright, so, uh, listen. We're not going to pretend that this wasn't a series we were worried about watching. We we brought it up on multiple occasions that we were not excited for Turn A. However, I think we're in all in agreement that this was not at all what we were expecting. So, in the beginning, obviously, I had my concerns. We, Mark, because of how you started off before before we started this whole podcast, you did say Turn A, you, you stopped around episode 6 or something, right? Uh, <clears throat> well, actually... Uh, so what I, what happened was, well, what happened was I ended up uh, going on this crazy gunpla buying extravaganza, and I just bought every gunpla I thought looked cool. Um, and I ended up buying the Turn A Gundam. I believe it was just coming out, and I noticed how gunpla were being swept off the shelves at the time. So I picked up the Turn A, knowing that if I didn't buy it now, and I actually liked how how the show was, then I'd regret it in the future. And when I bought the Turn A, I decided to watch some of the show just to see like what it does how it, how it works you know all that cool stuff that that it does in the show and what i was met with was a bunch of talking exposition and stuff that i at the time didn't really care about or didn't really know a lot about so i ended up watching a couple episodes and then skipping around to various points in the show and realizing that at the moment it wasn't the show for me so I carried that memory with me, and when we started this podcast, it was one of the ones I was looking forward to the least. And my my weariness only built over time because of the fact of how much we disliked Victory Gundam, the rocky start of Double Zeta Gundam, F-91 being in production hell and ultimately being coming out not good at all. And all these things were just culminating in this boiling pot of oh my god it's going to end up turn a is going to end up being trash and like i still said that is untrue um at this point after these 12 episodes i can say that turn a so far is fantastic it's it's i really enjoy the show so that's where i'm coming from on things and i think i poisoned your guys's minds and i apologize for that but uh, yeah jose so before you know the whole thing and before we started this whole podcast like you yeah i didn't have anything to do with gundam i didn't know anything other than pretty much g gundam and uh my only first impressions or or anything having to do with any level of knowledge of turn a was basically just what you had told me and like you said you poisoned my mind you you said that it was shit you said it was boring. You said that Leron was dumb. He said that uh, whatever, all the stuff. You're just filling me in with that hate. Again, it's another one of those G, uh, G Gundam versus Wing type of things, or specifically referring to how you were like beefing on Wing before, and you just had me ready to hate it. 
or ready to talk shit about it. But honestly, wow. now, yeah, now watching it, uh, I actually am really enjoying it myself. You know, that was a surprise and a very pleasant surprise. Uh, just from the fact that it is a Tomino Gundam, you know, and the last thing that we saw from him was victory and, uh, and how I hated it. And how I will still hate it. Don't you mean how you love it? No, no. That thing is anus, dude. That thing sucks. Um, I, it's not good. Um, but straying away from that, you know, looking towards this series, I feel like, I feel like Tomino was, you know, he, he's at the, he's at that moment of enlightenment in his life, you know. The first few series that he worked on, he was like, okay, you know, this is good. He's got the first series going. He's he's rolling. He's balling. He's he's got he's getting you know some uh, success off of it. Original MSG. He starts to get a little bit edgier and experimental with Zeta. Comes out good. You know, good quality stuff. And then he starts um he starts doing LSD in the seventies, and then you know he, or whenever, and then he uh, puts that basically into freaking double Zeta. You know, people always hallucinating and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they're just, you know, all over the place. And then, uh, he keeps, he keeps dipping his toe into how many drugs he can take and all that kind of stuff, figuratively speaking. Um, and he, he just keeps straying in various different directions with series. They become very unfocused. They become very depressing and very dumb, very, I don't know. They're just all over the fucking place. Anyway, he hits rock bottom with Victory Gundam and, you know, he decides to step away from the franchise for a good while. (laughs) <laughs> he decides to step away from the franchise for a good while and you know he meditates on himself he he you know he he becomes celibate he becomes one with nature uh he he goes back to his roots of you know the ver- the very bare essentials of storytelling and what works and what doesn't and uh he comes back with a vengeance this time although not a vengeance because he's become enlightened and uh so far he has he has poured quality into this series, the likes of which I don't feel like we've seen from a Tomino Gundam since uh, Zeta Gundam, honestly. So it's really it's a beautiful thing to see, you know. Cl- uh, round of applause for Tomino. You know, it's been a long shitty road, but uh, you know we're in a better place right now, and hopefully it stays a better place. Hopefully we're not just floating on cloud nine, talking about how good it is, and then it ends up being shit by the end. I sincerely hope it does not come to that, <laughs> but I'm hopeful. He's been enlightened, and I'm enjoying it. So, yay! So, like everybody else, I was pretty much expecting a slow burn of a series, something boring, something mundane, and that's kind of what we got. But it wasn't bad per se. The thing is, Mark, for you, for you, and for me, when probably around the same time we were coming off of like action-packed. Gundams, Double O, G Gundam, Iron Blooded Orphans. I think that was out at the time. So it, it makes sense that it probably would have been a little on the boring side. It's just not as that compact. But at this point in time, like it's 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 more fun this time around. Like there are a lot of other things that are making you interested in this series. Character relationships, characters, characters themselves, and even the big mystery that's going on behind all this stuff. Why was there a giant Gundam in a rock statue? Where where is these this uh, moon race coming from? What's going on? Why why is the tech so uh outdated on earth it's all these little things that make you cling on to the series that makes you just want to keep watching even though there is not that much action and i think that's great so how about how about our boy Lawrence hack our main character oh what do you guys think about our uh nudist boy mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Laurent 
Laron was a character that I was trying to find words to describe. I was sitting here after I watched it and contemplating how to describe how I felt about Laron. And I think the word that I came up with was was real. And when I say real, I mean like the way he advances and progresses through life, through relationships, and the way his the way they're writing him, he his actions and how he responds to situations is genuine. And it's not something crazy. It's like uh for instance, um I'm trying to think of a character there's a lot of characters in these Gundam fran- these series that we've watched so far that have done things like irrational, like Uso not wanting to kill um the enemy even though his own teammates are dying because of it. And Amuro running off, Camille running yeah. off, Judo running off. Yeah, the characters leaving even though they know that their role is definitely needed in that group to to have the whole group survive and the mission to be complete and, and them doing it anyways. Laron is a character that I feel is not going to do that just because he understands the circumstances and they you can't really use the the age thing as a out as well because he's around the same age as all of them. Um he is slightly from- older. He's he's seventeen. We meet him when he's fifteen, but he he is ultimately seventeen by the start of the all the main jazz. Yeah, um, but he's still a teenager and he's still growing. And I am genuinely happy with how he's progressing through the story. Uh, an instance that I like to recall or to go back to to justify this is when Sochi, who's another character we will talk about in a second here. Um, loses her father during a conflict and Laron stops her from running off and tells her that she needs to get a hold of herself because if she goes out there she's going to just end up dying or having people chase after her and having those people get hurt and she doesn't listen and she tries to run off and he slaps her to kind of show her like you need to get a hold of yourself it's not an angry slap it's not a mean slap it's a I'm, I'm going to slap you because it's going to shock you and then you're going to think about what you're going to be doing next and then he turns away from her after telling her all this stuff like you need to get a hold of yourself um you can't go out there it's a mistake and he's acting all strong and he turns and you just see him crying because he's also affected by what just happened but he knows that he has to be the bigger person in the situation because if he doesn't then more people are going to be hurt and it's those type of situations that he's been putting put into again and again that make him a character that i can connect with and enjoy even though if the situation is not hectic or anything there's not a lot in this part going on it's a lot of character building and i really like that he helps people out he's not biased towards moon people which is what he is um he and like other characters are more biased towards their group of people but he understands that all people are the same um he helps out a farmer which uh, who is a moon farmer get supplies from earth to help him build his family up and this includes the the cow that is featured in the master grade turn a gundam so now i know where that's from <laughs> I, had to bring that up, got to, I had to bring up the cow but it, it's just these these world building things that i'm i'm really enjoying and these character building moments that i'm really enjoying with the series and specifically laron for this first part because the focus is on him and how he's adjusting to conflicts and characters and disagreements and all that stuff. So that's, that's what I like about Laurent. 
Okay, so Laron, just like this series, I, I was expecting something a whole lot different. I was expecting a pacifist like Uso. I was ready to be annoyed, to be angry, to just hate him. It turns out he's more like Ketra, and that's fine. <laughs> so Laron, as Marcus put it, he's a very sweet boy. He, but he's also very oh, what's the word? Aware of what's going on he tries to help people he he helps people to the point of it being adverse to himself like he he ends up being part of a military just because some dude is kind of egging him on to be there i'm not even reading my script jesus i or I, I i like Laurent. he is he's a nice start he's a nice change of pace to everybody else he's a more or less a pacifist done right and i'm looking forward to his growth it'd be a real shame if he got sidelined in the next batch of episodes all right so Rodan Sehaka is a character and the main character of Tan A Gundam. What do I think about them? Well, I think that Laron is very balanced, very realistic in the same way as that Mark was saying, and very likable and uh, very naked, you know, both li- literally and figuratively. Uh, you know, he- he's kind of running around for these first 12 episodes. For, like, I think, like, two episodes, he's, like, running around bare-ass. I thought that was funny. The show literally starts with him getting bare-ass into, you know, a river. That that was funny. <laughs> um, I like, I like that he's not annoying, you know? That's, uh, that's something that has, that has, the so, so far, you know, been a little bit different from some of the other protagonists that we've had. So usually, they kind of do something to bug me a little bit. Or they kind of start them off being a little bit shitty. But Laurent is just like a nice person from the very get-go. Um, you know, there we've had some nice nice boys from the get-go. I'm not going to say Judah Ashta because that dude was going to choke a bitch out just for talking and not saying anything bad. But um, Laurent is, is very naked, figuratively speaking as well. Because he's very honest, he's very outward, he's just, uh, he's very transparent with the things that he does, with the feelings that he feels, with uh, the opinions that he has, but not so much to the extent that it is going to be something very destructive. It can be, and sometimes it can be to his detriment, but... um, I think that it's very admirable, and I personally really enjoy it. There's, you know, there's like a moment within these 12 episodes that Farmer Fran, his friend, <laughs> uh, she like, men, she comments on how Laron is honest to a fault. And yeah, he, I mean, kind of a fault. Like I said, it's not super destructive. Like nothing really huge came out of this so far that we've seen. But, um,. He's still willing to be honest with everybody. He's wanting to be straightforward. He's just a straight shooter when it comes to a lot of things. Um, And I personally really appreciate that about his character. He's just nice. He's very kind. He's uh, one that doesn't want to take charity from others. Like, you know, from that moment in the very beginning where he's drowning, he gets woken up and saved by uh, Sochi and Kiel. And he's like chilling in their house. He, you know, Sochi comes in, she's like, uh, she's like, oh, it's no big deal, we just saved you, and all this kind of stuff, and he's, like, offering them money, he's like, no, no, I can pay for, you know, whatever food you gave me, and all this kind of stuff, and, or I can work for whatever, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a bum, I'm not a leech, uh, he likes to, you know, work his way around, he's an honest boy, and I like that, um, with the whole pacifist thing, 
I was afraid, like, I, I had heard that, you know, he gets that moniker of being a pacifist, or not moniker, I, I guess I should say that just people generally label him that, um, and I was afraid that he was going to end up being, like, a, a weirdo like Uso, who was very impractical, and just developed this random pacifism for no reason, and just doesn't have the balls to pull the trigger to protect his friends, and that is far from the point, you know, Loran definitely has the balls to do everything that he needs to he he's not afraid to basically you know uh completely destroy somebody while apologizing for it <laughs> so he'll you know he he does it and he has a heart while doing it so i appreciated that and um i think that something that's pretty cool about Laron is that so far within the series he is the first protagonist to be uh you know of a of a different color he's a colored protag he's a colored person i thought that was pretty unique that that's a first for the gundam series like we've seen various colored people all throughout this franchise but for the most part they've all been what i want to say is probably just like a bunch of you know basically white protagonists i don't know if they're you know necessarily like japanese or or chinese or i don't know what if they're anything you know just relative just basically speaking because the series is japanese i, I just want to say like oh maybe they're japanese but you know either way they all kind of just look like white guys in my opinion and uh <laughs> so i think it's i think it's really cool and really unique to see loran being the first colored one and you know he has long hair he has very feminine features as well he's very androgynous so he can literally dress up like a female and look just like a female he's a, he makes for a pretty girl impressive props to the boy cool stuff um you know i think he's cool i think loran is super cool like that and i'm enjoying his character greatly um, he gets his nuts smashed in like two times. Uh, you know, I think he gets, yeah, he gets his, he gets slapped by his toy fish that he likes to hang around all the time and it like dangles down to like where his junk is and it like destroys him. And, uh, I'm pretty sure, what was it again? Somebody sits on him. Sochi like sits around him and. Oh yeah. In so the tournay. Yeah. Something happens. I don't remember if they get dropped too fast and then he like smashes himself like that. Or what was it? But yeah, I just remember like, dude, he's <laughs> each one took a took a massive hit. So I, 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 you know, I have mad sympathy for Laurent because that shit hurts. But um, so far, uh, I really like Laurent as a protagonist, as a character in general. He's uh, not so hot headed. That's generally something that is, I think, common amongst a lot of the the Gundam protagonist, the only one that I can think of that isn't really hot-headed, I guess, is Hiro Yui so far. But most of them have some level of hot-headedness to them. And I think Loran doesn't so far. So I think uh, he's he sets himself apart in certain very characteristic ways. And I think that his personality shines out and, and his, his mannerisms stand out amongst, you know, the various cast of the protagonists that we've had so far throughout the series. So I'm looking forward to seeing what else he does, but right now I'm really enjoying his character. He's just got a lot going for him. I think that's something that the series is doing really great is that they're, um, they're spending a lot of time uh, with like developing the character and having him interact with just like the everyday mundane type of stuff, like, you know, driving around, driving people around as like the, as like the cab driver, the, the whatever he is. I'm, I'm, brain farting on the 
chauffeur. Yeah, chauffeur. Yeah. Um, just being like the chauffeur and doing his little day job and all that kind of stuff. And at the same time, still trying to rendezvous with his friends and, and still stay relevant and stay on top of the things. He, he even fanboys over people, dude. He's like, he's fanboying over uh, Diane Soriel, who uh, we'll get into later. But, you know. Oh, well, you guys get into her. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the, that didn't sound right. Anyway. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That stays in. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. Um, you know, I don't get why people get confused. Um, oh, don't like whether to call him Laura or Laura, whatever. I don't know. There's like one person so far that calls him uh, Laura. And uh, yeah, his his name is Laurent. Roran Sehake. So he's cool. And uh, he, he'd actually, he'd have a fair shot at being successful in... Uh, uh rupaul's drag race just saying oh my god he's got the he's got the dark skin and dark lovely skin and uh the very androgynous look and anyway uh, he, he, he rocks the dress anyway you know laurent's awesome bye right so we didn't really bring it up with laurent oh uh, well it was mark you slightly mentioned it he is from the moon and he did come down with two other people, his friends, Keith and Fran. So they both end up also getting jobs. Fran ends up being a journalist, well, photographer. But we don't we don't see her much. Keith, though, we, we do spend some time with, with uh, the soon-to-be baker. What, what do you guys think about his friend? I, I would be fair. I don't have much of an opinion on either of them. I do think Keith's cool. Um... I think it's cool that they so the directive that they were given at the beginning um, uh, and what's told to us is that they were sent to the earth to kind of acclimate to it, um, see what it was like, kind of get to know things, get jobs. And then they were able to decide whether or not they wanted to return to the earth, the moon or stay on earth. And it's, all three of which decide to stay on the earth. Yeah, it's cool that all three of them decided to stay. They all build this life for themselves in some way, shape or form. Laurent being in the military, Fran being, you know, photographer and Keith being a beggar, like herself said. And it's just, it's interesting to see that they all have their individual lives and they, what they were able to do with the amount of time given. Um, Cause apparently Keith is a very successful baker and he oh, can make. In fairness, he is still an assistant baker, but by the end he does somewhat take over the role, but yeah. for outstanding circumstances. Well, he's able to craft these giant cakes in like, th in like the matter of hours and they're huge. Yes. Never mind. Never mind, Keith is actually pretty OP. Yeah, he's able to craft these huge uh, cakes. Um, he's not even like a... Isn't that something? That's Whatever. Craft cakes, craft breads, um, do lots of interesting things. Yeah, definitely. Um, he's also uh, macking on the, the baker's wife, or baker's daughter. Baker's not, wife? Not Jesus. the wife. Dude, the daughter. Hardcore. And uh, see... <laughs> <laughs> and God, they seem damn. to have a budding romance that he so his life's pretty set for himself right there um fran is like freelance she's just you know wandering around taking pictures of crap um i don't so far i haven't really seen much of her but um I, i'm just interested to see whether or not these these characters are impactful or if they're another like because sometimes we get some throwaway character like we'll start with characters and they'll just be throwaway characters like yazan and double zeta where he just in like the first little bit and then never appears again but hopefully these characters come back and we're able to see what they what they do i will hope they don't get odello i'm yeah. not I, I am not as uh concerned about these characters like i'm not as invested but 
after what they did to Odello. I don't I don't want that on anybody. I don't want a beloved character dying again. Well, they're not uh, in bubble suits, so they, they hopefully they stay out. I hope they stay <laughs> out. Yeah, but they could still they could still get shelled like that lady in F ninety one. Wow. God. <laughs> oh my god remember when f91 first when the first attack was happening and then they blew up a building and then like it fell right on this woman that was carrying around a baby yeah that's what it means yeah yeah if you uh, watch f91 we apologize but yeah uh i like keith what i don't like about keith is that uh this is the second time that his name is being used in the franchise and there's a much better boy named keith in uh freaking wow stardust memory stardust memory yes Keith, you know, awesome wingman wins over a Amazonian beauty. Um, and uh, you know, I'm just saying. Anyway, his name is Keith. He's chill. He's a he's a cool boy. Like uh, Mark was saying, I like that. I like that. Um, the story so far has been showing more about like the the little side characters like that. Like he's not an important character. He's uh he he doesn't seem like someone to move the plot forward in any way. Or really contribute hard like to the overall cause and and whatnot the uh between like the diana counter and all that kind of stuff he's just like one. he's just one of the people living in this world so i like that it, it's showing his piece throughout the story it, it makes it feel like it makes it feel like this world is very very vivid very real very very much somewhere where people are actually living it's not just like some kind of cardboard cutout that's just like the backdrop and that we're supposed to care about but actually don't have any real connection to like in victory like you know casadelia who gives a shit about that place just looks like a bunch of dirt and trees um but you know that's not the case so far in this series because we get a fair amount of time just to walk like to basically walk around see the 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 towns and all that kind of stuff and experience uh the lives that these people are living uh like keith is the, the big one that basically we see kind of a lot of the time farmer fran she should have probably had a little bit more time because I really don't care about her. I only pretty much care that, you know, Keith and and uh and and Laron care about her, but that's the extent of it. <clears throat> and her eyes are kind of weird and they kind of creep me out cuz they're like all black. There's like no white to them, no soul, but you know, it is what it is when it comes to that. Um but Keith, like Mark was saying, he's like a master baker, which is impressive cuz he just like barely picked up baking. Or there's like some kind of time skip that we just didn't get, didn't see. But I, it really doesn't feel like that based on like everything else that's happening, in like throughout the series, throughout the background and all that kind of stuff. He just started baking and he's just like a beast at it. He's he's uh he's the cake boss, um, and he's he's out there selling bread. He's like uh one of those, um, he's like a he's like a street bread panero. vendor. Yeah, he's like a panero in Mexico. He's just out there on his bike. He's 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 uh trying to make that bread by selling that bread and uh he's just he's living his life, you know. In this case, it's a little bit more tragic because he's doing it out of like some kind of really desperate necessity to keep the business going after everything's been going sour and, you know, his employer getting hurt and all that kind of stuff. So, he's like really picking he's like really trying to fill in uh the shoes for like an experienced man of of the business uh it experienced baker and all that kind of stuff and he's like rising to the challenge but it's really just nice to see like this whole little uh this little wholesome 
and very realistic look on on like the outset of life and the life of a normal person throughout this series i feel like that his like our viewpoint on him has been the best example of this um but you know there's still a lot of that that, that is experienced throughout other uh other characters so i just like i just wanted to emphasize keith a little bit in, in that He's the uh, he's Laurent's homie, and you know he's uh, so far been an enjoyable part of the series. He's not like he doesn't feel like a Saji crossroads, and that's that's a good thing. <laughs> but yeah, damn, you're referencing a series we haven't watched yet. We've done that before, and it's not we're not gonna go talk like extensively. I know, about I know. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, you know, Keith's chill, and uh. Fran is weird, but yeah. Fran is weird. <laughs> uh, she's dude. This is or, uh, this is the only way that Fran is. Uh, Fran is gonna. She's gonna land a job hard. Like she's gonna get a good paying job. She needs those pictures of Spider Man. It's not gonna happen any other way. I'm just telling you. That's it. I'm sorry, Orpiz. I forgot to laugh at that joke. It was so <laughs> funny though. You're fine. Maybe the audience will laugh. <laughs> not for your sake, I hope. Who cares? Anyways, at least somebody so... sounds like they're awake. <laughs> Anyway, all right. So let, let, let's get into like the uh, the the main supporting cast. So I want to talk about Gwyn real quick. Oh fuck! What do I say? You wanted to talk about him so badly that you forgot. Damn, shitting. So, uh, what is he again? He's like a. All right, he's a heir to like this factory work but he's also like leading the militia in some way or is he just like a benefactor uh, whatever he is i don't yeah. like him. whatever he is i i, I can't say he's, i like him uh, he he is gearing up for war like straight up the diana counter which is the main uh enemies of the series they're they're coming in uh they they, they had like a major major impactful entrance that's fair to say however they do want peace talks but guin is just he's just gearing up for war he he has leron in his pocket so he he is confident that if it breaks out into war like hey i will win he has this smugness that i just don't like i want to punch him in the face and he keeps calling leron laura because it sounds better i don't like this guy what do you guys think of him um i'm just gonna, I'm gonna keep it short and sweet i think he's nefarious uh i don't know why just i'm getting that impression especially towards the end of this watch through when he's when he's um kind of ousted just because the city is destroyed that he's a part of and a leader over and he begins talking to some woman and just their interaction seems a little sketchy so and just the way he's he seems like he's playing a chess game with the enemy and uh, i don't know it just it, it rubs me the wrong way so that's all I, that's what i have to say about him I, I do get the feeling he's gonna be a villain just from this little interaction we've had with him <clears throat> so uh what is his name again sir gawil or whatever gawil mr gawil whatever money bags whatever you want to call him benefactor supreme uh high society um whatever he's got his nice suits He's got his tan. Uh, he's he's being condescending when uh, you know saying Lara to Laron. That's not down. That's not cool. This guy, he has a he comes off like he has a little bit of an ego while he's trying to be nice at the same time. Like I, I kind of thought he was a little bit nice at first uh, and throughout, but I don't know. He's just like saying a lot of shit all the time, and he's just very he's very. Scared he's like a schemer you know he, he's just he's he's a cooking something up and uh it's i just feel like it's good, just gonna bring dread upon everybody else's life it's not gonna bring peace 
he uh cares a little bit too much about his image you know there's like a guy laughing at him and being like oh he's gonna come back begging for our help like some kind of loser and he's gonna you know not gonna be able to save face and he just disappears he's he's just like pieces out at a certain point in the story when he should be <laughs> when he should be actively doing something but you know he's just he's trying to save face and yeah that's unfortunate um he starts showing his his true rat colors um so i think that he's i think that he's a character that like the the that keeps the ball rolling though and I, I i do like that and i appreciate that in the story so i will say that uh i think he's all right in the story uh you know whether i like him personally as a character nah i was like eh, i'm uh, kind of on the fence but leaning more towards the no he's just a little bit too much of a rat for me uh so that's how i feel about him but in terms of like the story i think that he he can amass some level of potential to accomplish something that uh basically just keeps things interesting hopefully it's not really forced and it's not really it's not silly as fuck but you know anything can happen uh but so far i think that the series has been written pretty well to the extent that i want to be confident that he's not going to do something absurdly stupid or that if he does it might like be satisfying whether he does something stupid but then he gets completely shut down for it or something i don't know it's just it's fun to to be uh like on the edge of your seat kind of guessing and i feel like his character is just gonna kind of keep the audience guessing like is he is he bad is he is he good is he chaotic is he like you know there's just a lot of things that i feel like his character can do and i like that there's no real limitation to that. Hopefully it doesn't end up being something absurd <laughs> and just out of place. But yeah, that's that's the bulk of how I feel about him in the story. So meh. Meh. Well, hopefully that opinion changes for the, either the better or for the worse. Having a character that is meh tends to fall pretty badly. Yeah, but I mean, the good so thing is that this is still the beginning. So from there, it could it could uh you know it could go it go either way yeah so it's not too bad at this point if it was like the midpoint of the series or like the last half then and he's still meh then that's just shit that sucks that's not satisfying <laughs> so let's revisit this com this conversation in part three all right what about one of laurent saviors kiel the the eldest daughter of the heim family so i i got kind of gino vines from her it's not just because she's blonde she kind of just seems to ignore laurent for for the better part of this batch of episodes but at one point she she switches places with the leader of the diana counter who she just so happens to look very eerily alike and it's during that part where we kind of lose touch with her but we do see that she has everybody fooled she is playing the role very well and i just hope to see more episodes of her dealing with like this whole i'm the queen now identity so i'm looking forward to that at the very least so, Lady Kiel. Um, Lady Kiel looks a lot like another character that we will bring up later because she is a lot more important and a lot more interesting. So I'm not going to make that... I'm not going to lie. I don't remember anything about Lady Kiel in that first half. Well, in fairness, we don't spend a lot of time with her. It is mostly Sochi that we spend time with, and even after the whole uh, switching places, uh, we don't get much of her. That, that's my whole point of, like, I, I hope we get more at the very least. Because yeah, it'd be a real, real shame if she was barely in the next batch of episodes as well. 
Right. Yeah, I, I really don't have much to say on Kale either. She wasn't really in this part all too much. Um, the only thing I can say is that her father wants her to be more of like a, a educated lady. Um, and she definitely has that vibe going for her. She's more into like dresses than her sister and more into like parties and balls. And But I feel like that's a facade because she tells everybody that she wants to be a, like a part of the community, like a... Uh, she definitely wants to be part of the community, help people. She said she's trying to like ask for jobs from Gwen to be like a secretary and stuff. And um, she doesn't want to go to college to be a lady, even though I feel like college would be probably the the choice if she wants to work with people. Not in that world, <laughs> I guess not. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much her her gig right now, and she wants to work. So that's a, that's interesting. But that's pretty much all we got. I like Lady Kiel's hair. I like how uh, luscious it is. I think it looks cool. And uh, yeah, she's just trying to. She's just trying to live. <laughs> she's chilling. <laughs> Seems very bouncy. Oh uh, yeah. She's she's probably the inspiration for Beatrice from ReZero. <laughs> wow. <All> okay. Right. <laughs> so Sochi. Uh, the after a few episodes of Mark, I I'm kind of worried you're gonna go hard on it. So I'm gonna go ahead and start. Obviously. The, the whole she's a child excuse can only go so far. As, as Mark put it with Laurent, uh, her father dies. During the, that, when Diana Counter first shows up, they attack the city and her house just happens to get caught in the crossfire and her father is killed. And we see, we see her get sad. We see her get angry and start blaming the entirety of the moon race. Not just Diana Counter, but the entire moon race. And normally I would see this as a terrible thing, annoying, terrible, annoying thing. But her father died. She's angry. Her anger is justified, but it's just misplaced. I hope uh, she doesn't end up in some racist headspace so i hope she's able to grow out of this anger and grow from it so i'll leave my judgment on sochi until then all right sochi is the annoying female character um in this series uh she's not definitely not shock tea definitely not fa but she's loud and obnoxious she bullies Laron constantly and um she's very loud and oftentimes arrogant and pretty headstrong i would say oh, i thought you were gonna call her pretty no and usually i hate these kind of characters like alan b and such but uh sochi has a point in all this in, in that she did lose her dad to the the moon race and they, the moon race were reckless. They did come down and they did attack kind of out of nowhere, really. And they were using weapons that were much more powerful than they should have been using. Um, and they killed a lot of people, destroyed a city. And one of those people was her dad. So obviously she's going to have harbor hatred for them because how can you not, how can you trust anybody who just comes out of the sky and blows your house away for almost no reason? Cause you, and this is partially due to Gwyn, Gwyn, because he knew this is all going to happen beforehand because he'd been in constant talks with the moon race for a while now. And he was holding this information back from all, almost everybody. I don't think anybody really knew except for his small group of people and then himself. And by not telling them, they were not able to prepare for the conflict. And as a result, Sochi's dad died. And I think that makes all of her interactions and all of her hatred justified because where else is she supposed to put it? 
Like they just came out of the sky and started blowing people up. She doesn't know that the that the directive wasn't to do that. She just knows that it happened. Um, so I think that her being um, aggressive towards Moonrace is justified, but or in her mind it's justified. And I think as a as a viewer, I can sympathize with that. But her just being. Uh, Sometimes she's argumentative or combative with friends for just the sake of being combative. Like they they make good points that she's like, no, I'm going to go out there and fight with a plane, basically trying to hit paper. I'm trying to hit a rock with paper. And I mean, she's in that regard. Well, not in this sense. And in that, and, and in this case, she's, she's pretty dumb, but her uh, feelings toward moon race are just so hopefully she learns to resolve this and you know comes out the bigger person and understands that it wasn't all the moon race fault like they didn't do anything um but at this point that's where she's at mark i had to go for that joke i'm sorry did our to go am i am i missing something all right well sochi is annoying aptly put yes <laughs> So, um, she's like one of those, she's like one of those teasing, uh, little girls that tries to get under the skin of everybody to set to, so that she has like a sense of superiority and like she has control over a given situation. That's how I feel like, at least whenever she's like talking to Laurent, she always seems to find it convenient to remind him that he's her servant. Uh, there's only like one moment in which that happens throughout these episodes that I kind of find slightly endearing or slightly kind of cute because of the situation that's like at play in the given moment. And that's when like Loran is like carrying her uh, after they got attacked by, you know, the moon race and they were like having their ceremony where she became an adult and they both had to strip and it was weird because it just kind of caught me off guard but you know that's neither here nor there um uh but yeah there he's like carrying her to safety and he's like why do i have to carry you and she's like oh because i hurt my leg and because um you are my chauffeur and he's just like oh yeah you i you i <laughs> so that was kind of silly and that was kind of funny and i actually kind of enjoyed that little back and forth between them but other than that she kind of just says things to kind of uh, undermine him and everyone else that she talks to um so she's a little bit you know i don't want to say she's unlikable because to to the right person she can be likable but to me personally she's uh she's a little too condescending for for me to like like really like actually so she's all right though she i don't hate her and she's in a She's in a stable place. She has anger for the moon race because they basically killed her dad. And uh, that is understandable. You know, the rage that you would have for somebody taking somebody that's very dear to you, particularly a parent, would be nuts. It's very realistic. And um, yeah, for, for the most part, I can sympathize with her when it comes to that. Whether she holds on to that hatred uh, you know, we'll see how I, how I feel about that eventually, but I don't think that I'd like it. Um, but we'll see where her character goes. I think that it's at an interesting place because she, so far, like, the seeds have been sown for her character to, to, to sprout into, like, a, a plant that did, that, uh, can offer us some kind of fruit or another, whether it's sour, whether it's sweet, whether it's tart or whatever the hell, you know, it, it's, the possibilities are there, and there's a lot to work with, so, this being the beginning of the series, I feel like 
that's a good place to start. Um, and yeah, just that she feels very, very human in her weaknesses. Um, I think that that's good characterization in general. Something that the series so far is doing fairly well amongst the broadcast that it has. And uh, yeah, I feel like uh, she's contributed to Laurent's character in a little in a little ways. Uh, and she's tested his patience. Laurent is very patient. I would give him this. He uh, he did throw the hand at one point, but it was to it was not in any kind of malicious way, and uh, he felt bad about it. And it was only to help her from rushing on to her death. So you know, uh, good on Laurent, and uh, sad for Sochi that her 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 papa died. But yeah, that's pretty much all I think about her. We'll see where she goes, and uh, but uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, with that. Let's let's go ahead and get into the uh our uh main villain, the Diana Counter or uh DC as I've been writing in both my notes and the outline. So, I I can't really see them as villains right now. I mean, yeah, when they first show up, uh it's it's very impactful. Uh so impactful that an entire city gets destroyed. Uh but like they they kind of aside from that, they come they're coming in kind of wanting some peace talks that always tends to go sour after one or two negotiations i mean there's one point where they're all sitting down with the main inglesa people and this dude pulled out a fucking crossbow and tries to shoot it at him, at diana like it is this part where i see more it, it's kind of like a gray area for for like who's good and who's bad i don't i like it i guess i am concerned as to how it's gonna turn out though do i do i need to spell it out when you guys need to say something Okay. So, while you guys were talking about Diana Counter, um, I still had not watched the series yet. You guys were messaging back and forth, and you guys said, like, DC and then Princess Diana. I was like, what the fuck are they talking about Wonder Woman for? So, that was kind of silly. <laughs> Little background Zaku Taku talk stuff, you know. Things happen. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think that they as a faction are fuck what do i what what do i want to say about them oh boy (laughs) i think that they're a little bit aggressive in the way that they approached earth they shouldn't have uh they shouldn't have dropped in with all their freaking weaponry (laughs) that was dumb uh they wanted peace talks i get that but you know you don't just roll up with tanks like at the first sight of things and just be like hey you know we're, we're here to talk about peace but you know he's Here's our peace shoved down your throat and down your cities and civilians. But, uh, you know, peace. <laughs> no, it doesn't really work that way. Um, I thought that was kind of strange. But, you know, I guess they weren't going to attack initially, supposedly. I mean, that was like their directive, they, like you said, I think. Um, I'm going to interrupt real quick. Yeah, go uh, ahead. They, it is because the uh, the paramilitary, not not the paramilitary, the planes got dispatched and started attacking them. So Exactly the, what it's going to say, yeah. 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 So they ended up thinking they were being attacked yes. by, you know, little little pellet guns and they responded with a bazooka. Oh yeah, which is what I was going to lead into um like that, you know, the but I do like they strolled into the pl- my point is they strolled into the place with guns <laughs> basically and with a bazooka. And then um, then the other people kind of escalated to the point where they, like, just had the need to respond, I guess, with the freaking, the planes. Uh, that was just a bad idea, because, like, what the hell are those things going to do? But, I mean, I guess they were doing enough, because they got them worried, and they were like, it's like, oh, they didn't say they would have uh, this kind of, like, a tech and all this kind of stuff, and that they were fighting back and all this crap. 
so it escalated there it doesn't help that they got like a they got some idiot on the front lines named poe uh she's kind of dumb she's kind of hot-headed she's just like wants to fight and uh doesn't take orders from other people very well especially her superiors which is weird because she's like in the military branch of that and she should be following her superiors but she doesn't she's just like really bad at that she i don't know is hard of hearing or just is pretty much up her own butt and just decides to do whatever the hell she wants um the guy that's like her superior just gives her like a light slap on the wrist and he's like you're gonna get your honor back and all this kind of stuff in the in the you know in the next fight and all this crap and she's like crying and she's like oh thank you so much and then she just goes on to do the same crap over again uh you know just it's just it's a big old shit show because they have people like that on the front lines and representing them so i feel like the diana counter is in some ways very un- very represented poorly when it comes to those people and those people that just see conflict right off the bat or that escalate to conflict right off the bat but you know when it comes to a, the top figure of the diana counter that we'll get into more later um you know i don't think there's so much wrong there it's just like it's it's one of those things where an entity is is not 100 percent pure to the things that we anticipate in these shows like in gundam we anticipate uh, a faction an enemy faction to be portrayed entirely as an enemy faction like in um in zeta gundam you got the titans they're they're the enemy faction they're assholes they're acting like assholes and so you know they're just they're kicking down people they're shooting they're murdering people and all that kind of stuff then you get Z- then you get zeon throughout the other series uh zeon is very power hungry and they rule things with an iron fist you know that one guy got compared to hitler <laughs> we know this is we know that this is bad we know that everything that follows them is pretty much bad for the most part uh, except for the other series that kind of show like show little bits of gray in between there but you know for the, the most the, for the I'm sorry jumbling a little bit for the most part we are used to seeing these series that just have like this total evil faction or bad faction but the diana counter is not so black and or not so black and white like that yeah it's it's got its shades of gray and i feel like it's shown throughout the series i think that's unique to the series and i like that i'm enjoying it so far um there's a lot of colorful personalities when it comes to those that make up the diana counter and there's like people with their with their uh alternate ideas you know you got your you got your very optimistic people at the top and then you got their kind of on the fence but trying to support them advisors and then you got the the good soldiers like you know the ones that wear neato neato burrito glasses and have nice haircuts (laughs) um and uh then you got your your crazy people up at the front that just want to fight like poe and then they occasionally let out a maniac that wants to fight for them but it's still just kind of crazy and goes against like the things that you know the good person at the top wants to enforce but they do it poorly at the bottom or it gets lost in translation so things go sour but yeah, so far I'm I'm digging the Diana counter. I'm I'm digging that uh, I'm digging how different the dynamics are in in the faction it's in in itself. So yeah, that's uh the, those are my thoughts on it. Diana counter is a heavily fragmented group. Um, we see this when Diana, the namesake, and the queen of the Diana counter and the moons 
is attacked by her own people. Um, at this point in the series, we have no idea why this is happening. We just know that there's some sort of coup that is happening within the Diana counter. Um, we also see that it is definitely like Jose said, not very structured as Poe, the resident idiot of the Diana counter is never reprimanded and promoted for doing stupid stuff. So, um, it's just very, that part I don't really understand. Um, but them attacking the, the cities and stuff at the start, that, that is Gwyn's fault entirely because he knew that they were coming down and he scrambled the planes and told them they were being attacked by another country when in actuality they were being attacked by or the, the moon people were coming down so they thought that the moon people were the other country and attacked them so um but he, uh, uh that's i guess neither here nor there because poe is an idiot um but yeah like it just seems that most of the they brought down a lot of civilians and the civilians are just normal people and the conflict that arises from the diana counter initially attacking the earth people has trickled down to the moon race people that are on earth now trying to just live their lives farm and stuff but they can't because you know the earth people think that they're invading because they attack them so i like that dynamic the conflict that's occurring uh, over, uh, due to an overall misunderstanding and negligence on Gwyn's part just kind of being power hungry trying to trying to keep power but um the diana counter as a whole it just for right now it seems really dysfunctional like there's like they all say they love diana but none of them are actually following her orders um and yeah that's kind of kind of where that's going right now i hope hopefully things start to become more clear i mean i'm i'm expecting a coup because just you know phil seems to be disregarding directives and sending poe on missions that he shouldn't be sending her on and giving her promotion and not i guess not promotion but not reprimanding her for things that she's doing so it kind of seems like he's in the background kind of he if i had to guess it'd be him he's the he's the he's at least part of the coup and uh with but poe seems like she's too dumb to be part of that so i'm, I'm not sure and that little guy that follows diana around i think his name was me 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 Mirin. Mirin. Uh, he seems a little shady too he's always he's always backs turned he's like looking out of the corner of his eye at everybody um but yeah and they do have peace talks and they just start <laughs> like gunslinging each other which <laughs> which is a bit awkward but uh, uh that's where that's where we are now uh their negotiation just turned into like a, a gunfight and it's pretty much diana losing control of the people that she should be in control of the wishes the military so we'll see how this goes but i'm enjoying it for the most part the diana counter is going to implode on itself so we got insubordination but we do we do at least get one character who seems to be pretty on board when it comes to diana at at least as of right now or on boy harry (laughs) best boy harry uh we don't we don't see much about him we don't see much of him. We do know that he pilots the Golden Sumo, which, uh, Jose, uh, we, we, you and I have nightmares when it comes to Maxi Boost's Golden Sumo. <laughs> that challenge sucks. It's so bad. We, we don't it's see so much annoying. of Harry, but I believe the delay now. <laughs> So we don't see much, but he does seem to be aware of things. Or at the very least, he seems to be not as shady as Gawain, not, not as shady as Gawain, but he, it, 
it just seems like he knows things and he might play a bigger role sooner or later whether that role is a turncoat ally or straight up the final boss i'm pretty sure something's gonna happen to this guy i'm also pretty pretty sure you're gonna die but hey gosh you think everyone's gonna die i do it's tommy no dude it's tommy no kill them all he's been enlightened anyway jose what you what you think about harry um i think harry's glasses are cool uh he has like a little bit of a suit bowl haircut doesn't he He's got like a bob kind of going on. Uh, so far, uh, I think his design's pretty neat. Um, I think he's like, uh, he looks like he just came out of G Gundam. He's like the most G Gundam looking character that I think has that has ever been in a Tomi no Gundam. So uh, that's kind of silly. Very Saturday morning cartoon kind of guy. Um, uh, he has the golden sumo. The golden sumo's cool. It looks a lot uh, cooler in the show than it does in, like, Maxi Boost and pretty much every other media that I've ever seen it in. And yeah, every other media, I just think it looks like a... It looks like a... Um, a bald... A, yeah, well, I mean... Honestly, I don't even think it looks so much like a sumo, because I think, like, sumo wrestlers... You know they got they got the big gut to to move forward with and uh these things look like uh they look like uh, yeah oh they look like freaking um oh my gosh what's his name that guys they no they look like the juggernaut <laughs> from x-men hey we're talking dc not marvel i know that's true but still come on you gotta see it now too right he looks oh, like yeah. the juggernaut yeah, i see it <laughs> But yeah, um, Harry, Harry seems very loyal. Harry seems, uh, like he has the potential to be a good shark clone because so Finally. far, yes, so far, it's not saying too much because this is just the first 12 episodes and anything can happen. So we really can't say for sure until the next batch of episodes. But you know, we've seen other like shark clones kind of drop off pretty early early on at least like um chronicle like chronicle yeah he just kind of he just kind of sucked from the beginning a little bit and um and miliardo peace shaft or or sex marquis he uh he wasn't particularly bad but he was like so shard to the t that it, it was like just to the point that it was just unoriginal and so it wasn't like, it went through all three phases yeah in one series yeah but like he was just so unoriginal all throughout that <laughs> it just it, it was like negative points for that. It's like oh too much Char. Uh, so but this but Harry he's different enough to where I think that he can stand out as a little bit of his own character and, and be unique enough, but also have enough Char to him that you know honors the the Char legacy. <laughs> Um, but in general, I, I like Harry. Harry Ord. Ha Harry Ord. He's pretty, he's pretty cool. Um, he, he is the royal guard. That's neat. Um, I'm surprised at how Poe talks back to him. And since he's like a higher authority than her, he's like giving her a command and she's like talking shit back to him. It's like, yo, like Mark was saying, why is, she, why is, uh, that trick getting like promotions and stuff? Like, this is, this isn't right. Like, this is why the Diana counter is just so splintered. So all over the place and just bleh. But, um, Harry Oda is doing good. He's gonna be huge, and, uh, yeah. I'm enjoying him so far. Hopefully, hopefully he shows us, um, little shades of his character more as we go on. Hopefully he's not Char to the T 
Uh, and uh, yeah, hopefully we get to see that gold sumo kick some ass or do some cool stuff because I think it's pretty cool. It looks it looks nice and built in the show as opposed to being like a a short bald uh, what is it what weightlifting man like wow. in maxi boost. It looks kind of weird. I don't like it, but in the show it looks dope. In the show it looks like it doesn't skip leg day. It's thick. Wow. <laughs> All right, let's finish off the Diana counter by talking about our beloved ruler of the moon race herself, Diana. So, uh, I I feel this Diana as well as everything else about the series has kind of proven me wrong as to what I was expecting. The way Laron is always talking about her, like, oh, uh, Diana will fix this. Diana wants peace. Diana, uh, Diana's so great. I was expecting some tyrant to be showing up. I was expecting fucking uh, off with their heads. Like, oh, uh, fuck these earth people. We're ruling that. And that's not what I got. She she is very innocent. She she's also a very, very sweet girl who, you know, makes a random girl she meets who happens to look like her start posing as her so she can run off and experience the world and it's during these this little switcheroo that we get more of her character we see how much she cares about people we see the devastation upon her realization that you know her her army is causing a lot of destruction and pain to everybody around her and it's it, it's nice seeing that oh they you you got it there so, um, Princess Diana or Di- Diana Soriel, you queen. know, the, qu- the queen of the moon race. Um, I didn't think that she was going to be a tyrant. For some reason, I thought she was just going to be chill. Like, you know, like the Queen Maria from Victory Gundam. Uh, I just kind of expected somebody like, you know, to be nice. I don't know why. Just probably, uh, probably since we haven't seen necessarily too many, I guess. Like, the only other, I guess, tyrant, I would say, that has been, like, a, a strong female force on the antagonist side has probably been, like, Haman, but, um, I don't know, the way that everybody spoke all the time about, like, uh, Queen Diana Soriel in this series, like, how Laurent was talking about her at first, um, he was just, all of them were just like, oh, she's so nice, and she's so good, and all this kind of stuff, and, and just, and, and whatnot, I didn't have the idea that she would be a tyrant so much and so i was okay on that front but what i did have going into the series was knowing what her character design looked like because of maxi boost and uh i hated it It is one of the ugliest fuggliest weirdest looking character designs i think i'd ever seen uh she looked like a a soulless cockroach and that's honestly just boiling down because it, it boils down to her eyes she does not have a glint in her eye that makes her look human or look like there's anything in Inside that husk of a being and uh it turned me off it, it, it just it, it uh it left me unnerved un, unnerved or whatever it, it just didn't make me feel good and uh it's one of those things it's one of those times where it's uh you just shouldn't judge uh a book by its cover because diana soriel is one of the greatest surprises in the series um and, you know, to Gundam in general, because she's a super sweetheart. Like, she is very, very innocent, very sheltered for a character. But out of that comes a very naive girl, or not super naive to the extent that it's annoying, but, like, she's she's kind of naive. Um, but ultimately, she's just very, she's a very pure-hearted person. And she just, she oozes sunshines and butterflies and, and, all, and rainbows and all that kind of stuff. And she's just so... 
kind that it, it, it makes me feel warm inside. A character like that, looking like that, makes me feel warm inside. And speaking of which, she doesn't, it's not just, it's not just her character design that's like that. And I, I figured out what exactly it is. It's, it's totally just in between the eyes and why her, ha, ugh, sorry, jumbled. It's totally just that her eyes have no glint to them that kind of puts me off. And I didn't see any white to them, but in the show, like you can see that there's white in her eyes and that makes her look like a look like a living person you know in maxi boost she just has all blue eyes like all the way around no white so she kind of looks like she's tripping <laughs> like uh she's she's on something but in the show she looks a lot better and she looks a lot better also with just like a straight up hairstyle change and uh she just gets the glow up like, it's funny how the little things can affect character design. Um, but, you know, to stray away from that and back to my original topic, I guess, is which is just her wonderful heart. I really, I really, really, really like Diana Soriel. She is a genuinely lovable character. I think that she has a lot of potential in the ways that she could go about throughout the series. In the ways that she could grow. Hopefully we get to see that kind of stuff. And that development with her. Um, especially since she's like a, been a very sheltered person. But she's also not afraid to uh, to take a gun and shoot some people. You know. She's like at the end of these 12 episodes. She's taking shots with a rifle at uh, Corin And talking down to him. Or not like you know. Not being condescending. But being very authoritative and flexing her her queenliness on him and like, you know, you, you shouldn't be doing this kind of stuff. She's trying to defend Laurent. She's trying to bust caps in people. Uh, she's awesome. I really like her and I'm super surprised. But it's one of those situations that I've never been so happy to be wrong about something. And uh, I love it. I, I look forward to what comes with her character. And that is the bulk of what I think of her. So, yeah, that's uh, me. Mark? <clears throat> So, Diana was a character I really had no um, opinion on originally. Uh, I I guess I I thought her character design was a bit odd, especially in that weird space she has. Um, and so I didn't really come in with any opinion. And now Diana is probably my favorite female character in Gundam. Um, I I know <laughs> the pickings are. So, are kind of slim when it comes to well-written female characters, especially uh, on the Tomino Gundam side of things, where I think the only other person is Emma. But Diana hits all the marks for me. Amon? I'm sorry? I Honestly, I don't like Haman. Uh, I've never said that to you guys, but Haman's pretty, Haman's pretty dull for me. Blasphemy. Um, so, <laughs> We're done but, Di- but Diana, Diana definitely hits all the marks. She's, um, she's smart, cunning. She, she's very risk taking, um, in terms of sh- like, she doesn't send any, any ambassadors down or anything. She herself comes down and to the surprise of Lauren, who's like, what the heck? She's coming down. It's actually her. And yeah, it's actually her. She's doing the negotiating for her side of things. And, um, speaking with, in and stuff and taking matters into her own hands and this is uh this shows that she's very strong and she's definitely strong-willed because even though attempts were made in her life she still doesn't i I guess she doesn't even send out an investigation or anything because you know after that nothing happens um she's also very crafty she's able to swap places with kiel 
with ease. I mean, they both are because Kales has probably a harder job trying to pretend to be Diana. But um, Diana plays the role of Kiel extremely well. She mourns at the grave of Kiel's father, who uh, to this point Kiel hasn't even seen yet, and is able to pull it off to the extent that Kiel knows that she's genuinely upset at the fact that she partially caused this by not being there initially and that emotion resonates with with me as a viewer because i'm able to to feel like this character is genuine and everything she's doing is genuine um i do like how they're able to distinguish between kiel and uh diana just by kiel having slight whites in her eye like uh i don't know if it's like a reflective glean but it seems like most of the moon race doesn't have that white in their eye. Their eyes are like a solid color with a black dot. And um, that's the eyes of Diana. So if you're watching this and you don't know the difference, that's an easy way to tell. Because they do try and um, they are kind of trying to fool the the other people. But um, so, yeah, I also like how she's another way she's strong is, yeah, she she shoots, she can fire a gun. <laughs> so that that's pretty cool. Um, that she's trained in more ways than just diplomacy and she's willing to take the risk of you know picking up a gun and being seen as a threat by her opponent um but i really hope that we get more of diana because she's a character that i think is is at this point one of my favorites in the series and definitely like I said before, my favorite female character in Gundam so far. Um, I only have one other Gundam female um, that I... Uh, but this is purely design-based, and it's the Ida Sudigen from g Reco. But let's see if uh, if Diana Sorel maintains the top spot or not as we continue on. I hope she does. I hope she lives up to the, the expectations they've set for her at this point in the series. And um yeah i'm just i uh, i feel like Lauren right now I'm, I'm over here like oh diana yes she's she's here now so yeah let's uh let's see what let's see what she's got then all right so uh well they brought up a character i completely forgot about uh corin which is kind of kind of funny that i forgot about him because this guy is pretty much Lauren's first boss as in like a battle wise so this dude happened to be, you know, imprisoned prior to the series. And somehow he ends up on Earth. And they, they, and they kind of just let him act as he wants to. Uh, obviously, Diana kind of just says, hey, just let him do it. So eh, it's kind of odd on Diana's part to just let a criminal loose. But hey, gotta say la vie. So Corin has, has a few screws loose, as most. Uh, I don't know how else to provide put it but the only real thing that i can say from this dude is that he's the first guy to actually utter the word gundam as of right now nobody else has called uh Laurent's mechanical doll a gundam or mobile suit corin is the only one to, to have done it as of right now also he he beat Laurent like straight up Laurent did not win the fight uh i don't think there's a lot to say on corin um just based on the fact that he arrives pretty early on or pretty late in the in this watch through and he doesn't do much the only things i can say about him is that he knows more than a lot of the other characters or at least he's letting on that he knows more because he does mention like Garcil said the word gundam which means that he knows of this class of unit at least to some extent and has heard it before 
before. So I don't know if he's super old or if it's a story from the moon about the Gundam, but it's it's interesting that he brings it up now. Another thing um, is that I really hope it doesn't become a trend for Laurent to not finish off violent antagonist because we've seen that happen in the past with like Uso and stuff where he just doesn't want to finish anybody off. He shoots off their leg, shoots off their arm and they just keep coming back and coming back and coming back. And it just becomes ridiculous Wait. at a certain point. Mark, not, not sorry for interrupting. Corrin's still alive. Uh, yeah. Cause we see him, um, when Laurent shoves him into the lava, there's like a little extra scene where he's laying on a rock, like, not in the lava so he fell onto right, a I rock i might have looked away at that point then i thought yeah, the fucker died no he's laying on a rock and it's it's just i hope it doesn't set a precedent because it just it as a viewer it just becomes exhausting when the same character just keeps coming back over and over when obviously they should have been finished off a long time ago they're a threat to everybody if laurent doesn't do it Someone's got to do it. And right now, um, I just hope that that president doesn't get set because it's, it's very frustrating to have a Jared or a Frost Brothers or one of those type of characters keep coming back when they should have been killed off or maimed or crippled or, you know, other disfigurement words <laughs> but dead that's pr preferably to some characters yes um, right now it's poe and uh but we'll see how that pans out so um i just hope this isn't like a every character needs to be reformed kind of thing because it's not just that's not realistic and this this show right now is is portraying itself in in a more realistic sense like as in character as in the way characters are acting so i hope that transfers over to the actions that are taken as well but that's all i have to say on the, the whole corin scenario they're gonna they're gonna talk no jutsu everybody they're gonna win them over with a power friendship it's just the it's the cloud that tomino is on now dude it's just you know considering it's laura yeah dude he's trying to find peace he's already murdered a vast amount of people in like the past series i wouldn't hate it too much if it happened now <laughs> personally but uh, I get what you mean in terms of the realistic thing. And yeah, it's people trying to kill you. So fuck them. Smoke them. Uh, but in terms of uh, Corrin, uh, I think he's a, a big, muscly, bald nut job that uh, he's just crazy. He wants to he, he's desperate to fight that Gundam. He wants to get at it. Um, apparently, he is trying to follow the, the wishes of, of Queen Diana also, even though he's like doing everything by the books, his own books, at least as long as they're written by him, he's doing them by the books, I guess. But, um, yeah, uh, there's not necessarily too much to say. Like, I think that you said the bulk of what can be said. But what I, I will touch on is that he has these two lackeys with him all the time. And, uh, these two lackeys, uh, remind me of Bicha and Mondo. Just because they're, like, snotty, weird-looking characters that, uh, I don't know. There's something about the air to them that just reminds me of, uh, those two taints. But maybe these won't, these guys won't be too annoying. We'll see if they decide to stick around uh, to look for Mr. Corrin, who did not die. <laughs> but, um, yeah, other than that, there's not there's not too much to say about him. He wasn't in there to, or in there long enough to leave a super long-lasting impact of any kind, other than just kind of dropping those little bits of, hi of history slash mystery to us uh, when it comes to the Gundam name and whatever relevance it might carry on in this series. So, we'll see how that unfolds. Um, and uh yeah that is that is pretty much all i have to say <laughs> all right let's let's send this off with a bit of a mecha talk so 
what what is up with the Diana counter thing? There's these there's these weird little things that are that are like what ten feet tall, and then there's like this giant ass dinosaur looking thing that 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 Poe is always on, and that has a giant ass laser that destroys the city. They're they're very different from what we've seen. Like I was expecting a Zaku. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're, they're weird. What, what do you guys think about these uh, dinosaur-looking things? So the dinosaurs mm. kind of make me think of, like, a mobile armor. They kind of remind me of, like, uh, what is it? In Maxi Boost, sometimes you see them, like, walking around. Or maybe it wasn't even necessarily walking around. But they kind of remind me of, like, the big Zam in some way. Um, mini Zam. Yeah, Mini Zam. We made too. that joke already. That, we already, um, we made that a, joke already. <laughs> no, 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 but that's a legit, that's a better comparison because Mini Zam is actually on the ground in freaking uh... What is it? What series was it again? Freaking 8, oh, 8th MS team. Yeah, the mini Zam was on the ground, had the legs, and it was moving about. But it was a lot taller. Uh, I think it was. At least it kind of came off that way. They were, like, sl- shooting at its legs from the bottom. But this thing... We don't have a good memory. Yeah, either way. <laughs> it, it reminds me just of a mobile armor from, like, any of those other series. It's just, like, one of those big hulking things that has lots of destructive power. And it definitely shows it. It's fully on display when it, like, completely, like capsizes like a good portion of the cities throughout this series so far um and it's it's not a bad design i don't think it's bad um i think it's all right i think it uh i don't remember do they take it down pretty easy or not i mean using the turn a they take it down pretty easily yeah they just like beam sabers it right yeah 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 that and poe just sucks so (laughs) um is Poe gonna be the new Wolfie? No, no, she's not that bad. But she's just like a bad yeah, pilot. Yeah. Yeah. So nah, yeah, nah. Yeah, I don't think so. You know, I'll let you know for sure when I get to that. But in terms of that, um, that's pretty. When much... you start seeing the memes, when you yeah. start seeing the memes, <laughs> she's she's got black hair. <laughs> but um yeah uh these these things look nifty i don't think they look so flimsy but we just said that they got canned easily by a aim saber so maybe they are um yeah we'll see what else happens to them because oh they overheat too i think i remember there's like a moment where they're telling her like hey you can't take this thing out because like uh the laser melted through this and oh so basically the freaking laser when it fires it it's supposed to like kind of do self damage to it or something i don't know so what it's like the i'm not gonna say that um (laughs) uh, (laughs) anyway (laughs) uh yeah that's pretty much the bulk of what i think of it um it's it's not bad is what i will say mark uh the designs are not the greatest i the legs on the wadom are really it looks like crude metal work in the show um they're very like beat (laughs) they look like beat metal (laughs) so i'm not i'm not too much of a fan of those but um other than that i really don't have too much to say on on the diana counter mobile suits they're they're just the yeah they're tall and skinny which is very weird but other than that yeah not much to say on those they're big they're 40 meters they're way bigger than most other suits we've seen that are bipedal Speaking of bipedal, the turn A Gundam itself. Oh boy. 
for me, it's the mustache. I fucking hate the mustache. Everything else about the turn A is cool, but the mustache, the fucking white beard looking ass mustache is so dumb. I hate it, and I know for a fact it's gonna grow on me. I know I'm gonna like it by the end of the series, and I absolutely hate that I that I know I'll like it. What are okay. your guys' thoughts on these stupid looking Gundam? Fuck the mustache. Stupid thing. Okay, cool. Um, so, uh, you know, the white beard, the Edward Newgate, the strongest Gundam in the world, we'll call it. Um... I think that its design is pretty all right. I personally think it's it's fine. I don't dislike it to the extent that uh, actually I don't dislike it at all. Like like Garcel, uh and I just hate the mustache, man. Yeah, They're, the mustache is cool. The mustache is studly. I, like, I hate the mustache. No, dude, the must that mustache is studly, dude. Turnation is better. Turnation is better. No, dude, the thing is flexing. It just needs a sombrero and it's a Mexican. I can say that because the Tapatio man looks the same. Where's the custom? Um, but anyway, um, I I think that it's a very sturdy looking Gundam. It uh, it looks very well put together. It doesn't look like it's it has a lot of unnecessary stuff. It looks very practical in its design, like. The legs and the the joints don't look like they're overly exposed. It, it f- looks like it is it is built. Like if I had to say this this Gundam went it, it uh, goes to the gym and it works on every portion of its body. Like it doesn't skip leg day. It doesn't it doesn't skip the arms. It's got uh, it's got a nice uh, wide chest area and uh, it just uh, it looks pretty studly. The mustache looks studly too, you know. I'm gonna stay on that. Um, where the 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 cockpit is actually really really <laughs> practical compared to the other like series because uh in the other series we've seen that a lot of the times they just kinda have to jump up there somehow without like a lot of help. In Victory Gundam, we saw the the little upgrade in terms of like the designs in that they like throw out like some little rope on the side where it it pulls them up towards where the cockpit is and then they can get in from any any time and any point or you know they don't always have to have it completely level to the ground to a spot where they can manually get up there the turn a like drops its balls or its ball which is the cockpit and the whole seat with it and it, it, it lets people get it like reaches all the way down to the ground wherever that may be whether it's like short or whether it's tall or whatever it reaches all the way down there and then it pulls the person back up along uh with them already in the seat so i think that's a lot safer it uh it's a lot more practical it's a lot faster i think because it does go up pretty fast in comparison to the dumb ropes from before and having to climb over those bitches that are not like five feet tall they're like pretty damn tall so um it saves a lot of time it's a lot more practical it's kind of weird that it like drops its balls like that it's kind of funny and then it's it's cockpit area looks a little bit like a penis uh so you know it is what it is uh (laughs) uh yeah it's it's a cool looking thing i like where it's thrusters like fire from or like fire up from behind like its legs it's uh it's something i don't feel like we've seen very much before i think usually they uh most mobile suits that we've seen up to up to date have like thrusters on the bottom of their soles or their feet or something uh occasionally they'll have like a crotch thruster or something or, or butt cheek thrusters but this one has them in the legs, and that's really cool. Like, imagine if if Laron used them to. Like, Dumb in ones combat. are in the legs. Are they? I don't remember. <laughs> when he activates hyper mode, the thrust the 
back panel on the leg flies up mm. and you can see the thrusters. Oh, yeah. No, but it doesn't shoot them off to the side. They're still, like, aimed down to the ground. But, no, yeah, you were right in that. But I guess what I was trying to get at also <laughs> is that, like, the thrusters kind of, like, push off from, like, they shoot out straight behind. So, like, imagine if, um, if Laron was gonna throw a kick at somebody w- with his Gundam, and then he, like, turns on the thrusters to, like, mega boost his kick. That'd be badass. And then he just kicks somebody's head off or something. That'd be super cool. But, I don't know. I'm just, like spitting out cool stuff that i think would be neat to see but anyway i I think it's cool i I like how it has the two beam sabers and uh how loran always goes to them he's i don't know it's pretty pretty different i think that most of them have like most mobile suits in the series or gundams have two beam sabers but they don't pull them out at the same time not quite like loran so far and uh yeah. so, do that? does he i don't know yeah. i think yeah, they were like he, has, two he, he combines it into one beam saber though into like the in the super mode right no that's what i remember someone uh, has like shining katana beam sabers in the shining gundam where there's one big one and one small one I don't remember when he was using them at the same time, though, so... There were, like, two fights where he did. I'll have to go back and check that out. But, I don't know. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool to see. And, uh, yeah, I think the turn A is pretty alright. Yeah, what do you th- what do you think, Mark? So I'm gonna talk about the turn A Gundam, but I'm gonna deviate away from what these guys were talking about because I know a little bit more than them when it comes to this unit because I liked it so much in the past. So, like I said before, I picked up this unit. I talked. I picked up this unit's master grade kit back, and you know, a long time ago, and I was taken aback by the design of the unit because it looks completely different from every other Gundam I I had seen up to that point, and still different than any other Gundam I've seen since. And there is a direct reason for this, and that's because an American futurist designer named Sid Mead who worked on films like Blade Runner was brought in by Sunrise to design this unit. Now, I'm pretty sure it's Sunrise because I can't find anything about Tomino bringing this guy on. Um, the first instance of Tomino seeing this guy's work was in like a Playboy magazine, is what I've read. So, um, so when they brought Sid Mead on, he injected his own style into this Gundam and it is definitely apparent. So, um, since... Mead worked with more realistic designs. Um, the the turn A, everything about it is functionally coherent. Like it's meant to be something that could potentially be made and could potentially be used. <clears throat> um, it has its uh, cockpit is in the place where it's in, which Jose said looks like a dong. Um, it's actually supposed to be. R- it's actually supposed to resemble a womb or be in the area of the womb. I'm not sure what kind of deep meaning Tomino was putting behind this, but um, it's just an interesting little fact. Another fact is that the design of the turn A was much more similar to the sumo, um, but uh, the design was rejected as the main unit. And then that design was taken and made into the sumos. So that's why... They have kind of somewhat similar designs as, as the Turn A. Um, their cockpit area is in the same spot and stuff like that. Um, the Turn A's head also went through a lot of redesigns. Um, it's supposed to look like, a, I guess, a kickboxing helmet with the that the the eyes are sunken in a little bit more and the the head is circular so it looks it does look like a helmet 
with a mustache attached onto it. Um, the design of the unit as a whole was supposed to resemble more of a kickboxer, as that's what Tomino used to describe it to Meade when he was making corrections on the original design. And that's why its legs are so bulky, um, and probably the, look like they packed the most punch in the unit if it was to throw out a kick. So I just, I was completely fascinated by when I first learned that this suit wasn't designed by somebody from Japan, it was designed by somebody out of Japan. And a lot of this, actually, I think all the suits in the show are designed by Meade. So that's why they look so different and pretty awkward. Um, there are suits like the Kapul, which obviously take resemblance from more of like a other prior Gundam design. Like a to me, they look like a Zagok. But um, the Turne and the Wadom and the Flat and the Sumos, those are all done by Mead. And that's why they look so awkward. So weird. Yeah. But overall, I really, I really like the design. I think everything about it is cool. Um, I even like how they brought back the Gundam hammer, which we should have seen in Mobile Suit Gundam, but we didn't. Um, which is the whale or ball chain. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is definitely one of my top three favorite suits of all time. And in the show, it is pretty busted. It takes beating a lot. And has minimal damage, if any. It and this is without a weapon too, because Loran doesn't have access to a lot of the weapons, at least in this first part. <laughs> Aside from the beam sabers, which he doesn't get to later on, so he's hand to hand combating <laughs> a lot of these people after the beam rifles destroyed. Which the beam rifle in itself is something that looks entirely different and cool. It looks like it's made for the unit. It looks like the turn A, and I just love everything about it. Even the how it carries the cow and the storage areas on the chest or it carries different things in the storage areas on the chest um, that open up um, the back of the unit looks cool has a bunch of line and the line work on this is prevalent and that's something i like about the kit the master grade kit and i think most turn egg kits is that all these lines are turned into a really nice looking model kit figure and design in the show and yeah i mean overall it's one of my favorite suits so, I love it. Yeah, we're sorry that we couldn't be as enthusiastic about it. It's you know, it's not our fault. It's so mediocre. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know, just real quick, both of you guys keep saying like bulky and stuff like that. I actually thought the turn it was skinnier than I it, it was skinnier than I was expecting. Uh, that, that's just me though. I get what it you mean. Uh, definitely focuses on leg day. Yeah, I get what you mean. I I only mean that it looks like thicker because it looks filled in like the like. Looking at some of the other mobile suits in the series, they look like they're wearing armor and shin guards and all that kind of shit all, all around them. Whereas this one just looks all to its own complete. Like, it doesn't look like it's wearing an armor. It looks like that is what it is. Like, it just looks filled out. Oh, I thought you were going to be like, just like its pilot, it is also naked. Sure, yeah, it is. <laughs> See, it's bare. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess originally Sid Mead designed it as a much bulkier unit, and then Tommy, you know, told him it has to be slimmer. And we only want skinny Gundams. Well, the funny thing is, he told him to make it easier to draw, and I think uh, it it looks like one of the hardest things to draw because of all the lines in it. Like he did not take that to heart. Apparently, they still used it. They did because it looks cool. 
Any last thoughts? Um, so, in terms of this series, I am very surprised. I am very happy with how Tomino came back really strong. Like, he took that break, and he came back super strong for this series. This is a very good first impression, in my opinion. Like, the animation is uh, leagues better than what it was back in Victory. It looks a lot more rich in color. It just looks a lot more livelier. The movement of the mobile suits looks a lot smoother and there's just a lot more variation to the animation in general and i really appreciate that it goes a long way like the balls of explosion in this series don't look like just like flaming balls of yellow and orange and all that kind of stuff you know they actually have like puff clouds back like how they used to go all out in the in the zeta and double zeta days and i really appreciate that so the presentation for this series has just been really up there um, I don't want to sound like I'm just fanboying over it, but, you know, I got to give it its props, even if it's Tomino. You know, I, I, I ain't biased against anything. I'll, I'll give the man the credit when, when it comes, and right now, it uh, he's delivering when it comes to this series. I like the aesthetic from the beginning, that it, how it establishes, like, this, like, steampunk type of old-worldy type of vibe, and, you know, people are still wearing these fancy looking dresses and shit but i don't know it just it screams very old world and i like it and then clashing with the very futuristic new new world type type of stuff it's it's fun to see that and i've enjoyed it oh and their planes are old as shit too like damn uh <laughs> but yeah i think that this series has come come in strong it's made a good impression and i'm looking forward to seeing what happens next there's uh there's so many places that this series can be taken and uh i'm just excited for the ride yeah that's what i have to say about it if turn a keeps turning in a positive direction then this will probably be one of our favorite shows and it's shocking to come off of gundam x which we loved and to come into another show, which so far we love. So uh, I hope this is a trend. I hope um, Gundam continues to surprise us and we go into them with, you know, obvious. What am I trying to say? I hope Gundam continues to surprise us and even shows that we go into with some skepticism on whether or not they'll be good. Uh, we come out feeling like this where at least the start of the show is is pretty good and and we want to keep watching um and that is something that i i really appreciate about this series in particular is that i i just want to keep watching after the after this i'm gonna watch the the next set of episodes and um i'm really really looking forward to that so it's not a slog and i think i think this is good because we did hit a period in time in which at least garcil was getting a little worn out but um, the spark has been re reignited by these more recent shows we've been watching, and I don't think that fatigue is going to hit. <laughs> Listen, I've I've been burned enough with both characters and series, so I'm going to stay not as optimistic as you guys, but I'm going to be hopeful. That's all I can say. <clears throat> all right. Also, I just got to say that this opening for this series is kind of funny. It's a strange mix of a lot of things. It sounds like Placido Domingo at one point. And what? Yeah. Uh, like and then um it, it's like going into this weird church chanting sounding type of 
Nathan. And then later on, it's like going into some kind of weird bop with uh, some Eric Clapton playing in the background. It's just like a funky mix. I, I guess I like the guitar part when it gets to that portion. And I like the ending, but it's a it's an interesting mix. Um, it's not my it's not amongst my top or anything, but it's definitely it's definitely better than some other shit. <laughs> but yeah, just wanted to say that real quick. What do you All guys right. think? Uh, the opening, uh, it's mid. I it's not my it's favorite. Not uh, I think it's kind of weird. It's not something that I will. Uh, actively listen to or actively want to listen to it's not in my spotify playlist and i don't see it ever being in there um so far it's not in the top five best gundam intros or openings or whatever so not much to say on it honestly it just the the only thing is that when i first listened to it i was kind of laughing because of the how it opens with that weird (laughs) i don't even know what that is i don't even know what you call that I've never heard that in any anything else I've ever listened to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do like the other music, the stuff that pops up while I'm watching it. There's specifically this like kind of guitar song that they keep playing when I guess it's when stuff's building up, like when groups are talking and the uh, people are scheming about what's going to be happening next. There's this guitar song that plays and I really like that. Uh, for the most part, I like all, all the music that plays in the show and i think they do a good job of coordinating where those songs pop up and actually using them in a way that enhances the experience because when songs are playing i'm like oh okay what's going on here and just based on how the song is i'm able to interpret kind of what's going to happen or what's what's going on in a in a positive way so that i actually really like i totally see what you mean i think i know what guitar thing that you're talking about it sounds a little bit like like californication by uh red hot chili peppers the and yeah i I do know what you're talking about yeah i like it too but yeah what'd you think arso like well i'm in agreement with mark like the opening the ending i i i would not actively listen to them they have grown on me them from my initial impression of the series of, of the songs and as for like the main soundtrack there's this one song like every time like a battle theme or whatever it is it, it sounds like a kingdom hearts song oh <laughs> like the boss thing yeah yeah the ha, ha, ha. yeah the thing's <laughs> sick i will not say whether that's a good or a bad thing i'll let you guys decide i like it <laughs> i love the ending now since you brought that up but yeah, I don't like that. Uh, that Laurent gets naked. Yeah, I was like, I could, I could have done without that, you know. But still, the song is great to me, <laughs> for my taste at least. But yeah, I miss Human Touch. It was a good one too. All right, Mark, take us out. All right, so that concludes our first part on Turn A Gundam. And if we sounded like we were drained Low a little energy. bit, <laughs> lower energy than usual. Um, and if you've made it this far, you deserve to know that this is actually the second time we're recording this. The first one got lost, so. Um, we had to do it again but i hope it was still an enjoyable experience and i hope you guys continue to listen to us and um enjoy what we have to to say or disagree completely with what we have to say um but i hope it's entertaining so let's uh let's continue to to be hopeful for the next batch of turn a episodes and the series as a whole i'm i'm really looking forward to this one (laughs) i'm really looking forward to this one but uh yeah um go ahead and give us a follow on instagram we'll we'll be posting something relatively soon that you might want to keep an eye out for as of the recording of this video or this uh 
podcast, and um, we also share a lot of original memes. We don't we don't copy paste that stuff. That, that those are ours. So if you're interested in that, go ahead and give us a follow, and we will see you guys with the next turn A episodes, which are going to be 13 through 25. 20 is that right? Yes. That is All correct. right. See ya. So do you think there's like some people out there that actually don't like Diana? <laughs>